0: What I think equals what I'm becoming. And I think, of what am I becoming? And I want everybody in here just for a minute to think about in your life where you are right now. What are you becoming? Because we're all becoming something. We're all becoming either rebellious, we're all becoming uh, glorious, we're all becoming uh, uh, super energetic, or we're becoming depressed, or we're becoming uh, isolated, or we're, we're becoming outgoing and, and reaching out to other people. But we're all becoming something. A doubter, a, a doubter, a believer. An encourager, an exhorter. There's something that we're all becoming, and it starts with what, what I think, and, and it produces what I will become. I'm going to talk to you this morning about about kindness. Man, I battled with so many different messages this past week and about what I was going to preach on and, and then yesterday and I come back and there's, some, there's a lot of things that's happened in church and, and just things that seem to overwhelm me at times and I think about different things and, and, um, but this is what the Lord laid on my heart early in the week and I stick, I'm going to stick with it. Kindness. Am I becoming more kind or, I, or am I becoming more judgmental or am I becoming more uh, angry or am I becoming more opinionated because you are, those things are very common in our lives. And I've been every one of them. Every one of them. I said, talk to a, uh, I'm not going to say where or anything, but I talked to a man. He goes to church, and they got about 26 people in the church. And because the church stemmed from a break in the church. It was a, a, a group of people left. Got to be careful not to say it. They left the church, and when it started their own church, they thought they were going to just turn the, everything on fire. And he started this church, and all these people first went there for about six months or maybe a year. Then it began to dwindle down, and it's been like this for many years because it was born out of what rebellion. It was born on a rebellious nature in this area, and it has never thrived. And I began to think, what have, what are we becoming? That is a small. He was talking about you know great things down here and he's excited about it and and complimentary or whatever. But I thought, man, if you only knew where where you're at stemmed from a wrong motivation in the first place, that's what he was becoming. The church has become that. So it's dwindled to actually nothing. And the same way with us. We will become what we think about. What becomes a priority to us is what we think about. We're infatuated with conversations that are based on Me. We love somebody to come and talk to us about me. If you want to ever get to know somebody, you talk about them. If I want to talk about Bobby, I just talk about him and how good looking he is and how buff he is and and just everything about him. And it just wins me favor. And he's willing to talk to me. It's not what we talk about. It's not. But everybody likes to talk about themselves. I've said this so many times. Why do we do what we do? Simply, why do we do what we do? In a church, the reason this church is, is a fertile place is because everything in our church is not about us. It's about everybody on the outside. Sometimes I've, I've heard reports and different things that people are praying about on Wednesday nights. When we go to the four walls of this church, it is amazing. I'm already We've been doing it for about a month now. Everybody... Everybody is coming to me saying, I'm seeing the results of this prayer. Let's directionalize in our prayer about people who are lost in certain areas that we begin to pray for specifically that maybe we weren't praying for them before. And has it beginning it to change them. That's exciting to me. That's very exciting to me. But we do things because we love people. And we love people not because of what they can do and not because of who they are, not because of their position, You've got to love people because they're there. You've got to love them for that reason alone, not what you can get out of them, but what they are. With all their, their warts and, and smells and everything else that ever comes along with them, you make sure that you're, you love the people. Do we love people simply because they look good or, or what they have? They're politically correct. The lifestyle was right. The race is Right. The successful, the popular, let me tell you something. I'm going to share two stories with you. I had it planned later, but I'm going to tell you now. Stories about me this past week. Maybe you don't want to hear them, but I think you'll enjoy, maybe you'll want to enjoy them, but you'll see the, the importance of them. When we were in Florida, uh, I guess Thursday, again, that's one, uh, we were both kind of irritated and uh, frustrated. Um, Whatever, And uh, Friday we get down to where we're flying down to a place in Florida We get down there And, and uh, so everything's cool We get up Saturday morning And you know it's amazing How you can The Lord can show you what you are in a matter In just an instant And I'm sitting at the, at the drive of this place we were at And I'm waiting to go across two lanes of traffic And I waited Because there's tons of traffic And I waited and waited And this car behind me Begins to blow her horn. And it was a female. I want to stress that. It was a female. But she was young. And I looked in my rearview mirror. I shouldn't have fucked in my rearview mirror. But I looked in my rearview mirror and she was going, "Uh." so I went. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was agitated. I was frustrated. And one that probably didn't know what I was doing, but I was, But then she backed up and she went somewhere else. Went the other way out. Doesn't matter. I blew my witness to her if I had one, because I showed my frustration with her, because I was frustrated with the traffic, but I sure wasn't very kind, sure wasn't, I was anything but kind, Um, I don't know what I should have done, but I sure shouldn't have done that, and then we were coming home Thursday, and we were at the airport, and uh, we got in Daytona. We flew up to Atlanta. We got to Atlanta, and, and we're sitting there, and this one guy he had on pink shorts, a button-up shirt. You know you know the rest. And he was sitting up on the end of the parking of the sitting of the, what do you say it, where you park your bottom uh, uh, seats. That's what it was. He <laughs> was And he was sitting there and and he was on his phone. He has his little ear pod things and he's talking and he was talking like this real loud. And I was sitting from here to Bobby Blair in the back from him. And I could hear every word he was saying. Oh, I didn't tell one of this either. And it was running all over me. Every time I hear him talking and saying all these things about giving people advice. I don't know what it was. Finally, I got up. I had to go to the bathroom. I said, it's a perfect opportunity for me to stop and give him a piece of advice. You know, hey, you know, everybody doesn't need to hear your conversation. You know, you might want to be a little quieter. And that probably would end up in a uh, anti, it doesn't matter. So I got up, and I walked right by him, and I started to, and this is what happened. The Holy Spirit began to speak to me. Dwight, don't say a word. Keep your mouth shut. Because, see, sometimes I try to keep my mouth shut, and sometimes I don't. And uh, I didn't say a word to him. Well, I didn't know why. But I said, okay, Lord. I just went on to the bathroom, went back, sat down, and, and I sat there and whatever. And we got on the plane, and we were one of the last ones to get on the plane because of where our seat was. And, and oh, I was looking down the rows, and I thought, okay, Lord, now I know why you told me to hold my peace and be kind to him. And right between him and a, a black gentleman was my seat. I said, "Sorry, guys, I'm gonna mess up your party." And I had to get in there and sit between them. Well, me and the, the his older black I man, he didn't even talked the whole time, just back and forth. But this guy was still on his phone on top, nonstop because he, could he couldn't talk. They couldn't. Doesn't matter. So um, after a little while, I felt guilty because he wouldn't talk to me, and and maybe I don't know. So I started talking to him about what he was doing, and it doesn't matter anymore. But. But it was, if I had said something to him, could you imagine what my reception would have been when I went to sit down beside him? You see, kindness is, is such an important part of our life, but very, time, very few times do we really reflect kindness. How do you become more kind? I want to go to Galatians chapter 5. I said that earlier in verse 22. But the Spirit produces. Spirit produces. The Spirit produces things in our life that are, not, that are not natural, are not things that are always frequently available in our life. But, oh, they are so essential, so essential. In everyday life and how we deal with people and how we talk to people, how we talk to our wife, how we talk to the grandkids, how we talk to our kids, it's so essential that, that these fruits are operating in our life in a, in a, in a positive way. The fruit produces the fruit of the love, of joy, of peace, of patience, and of kindness. And I want to focus on kindness today. It isn't a service you're going to go, oh, man, I can't wait to get saved or whatever. Because you're talking about kindness. But I feel like our church in its in, in entirety, we need to understand that we need to operate in more kindness. You may think that it's a lame thing. But let me tell you, it's a critical thing. It's critical. Let me tell you. When Jesus was on the earth and he operated on the earth and everything that he'd done, he'd done it out of kindness. Very, very rarely was he ever upset. But when he became upset, he became upset with who? The religious people, the scribes and the Pharisees. He was always kind. Man, we, we talk about the attributes of Christ and what we should be like. But, but let me tell you, kindness is the, one of the easiest things to do. It's a little controlling your mouth and, and controlling your attitude. It's about producing. The spirit of God working in your life, it allows you to to, uh, produce kindness. I think of one person all the time, I've I've mentioned her so many times. When I think of someone who was kind, and who am I thinking of? Sister Massey. She always had a, a kind word. She always had something encouraging to say. She never, ever went to to the negative. And when I would try to get her to say something negative, it was positive. Things I was going through with all three of my kids, I would begin to vent vent her. And she'd say, oh, but I'm just praying for them. You watch. God's going to bring them back. She was such a kind person. She made such an impact upon my life simply because how she acted. And how important that each of us. Who are we impacting, or what are we becoming? Is people are people being influenced by us and how we act? Are their lives totally transformed because of what we do and because of how we say things? Sister Massey was not born that way. I wish wish Kenneth Hickson was here this morning. She raised Kenneth Hickson. Does anybody know Kenneth Hickson? He would not be an easy task. He made her at times, I'm sure, I'm sure that she brought the wrath of a paddle out or a switch or a big belt or something out. And she wasn't always kind to him. But he helped prepare her, unfortunately, he helped prepare her for a mentality and a way to deal with people that was kind. How many of you all spent any time before the mirror this morning? Got yourself ready. You, you, you put your mascara, uh, mascara on. and, and <laughs> I haven't put any mascara on in a long time. Uh, you put all your makeup on, and then guys, you know, we got, don't have as much hair as we used to have. We just fixed a few things, you know, and yeah, I'll look, all right. I'll go. But we spend more time honestly spend more time in front of a mirror than we spend before the lord saying lord change me help me develop a a spirit of kindness of meekness of temperance it it becomes all these things that we want to do we want to look right there's nothing wrong with that but there's something about us that that doesn't think about the the physical aspects of, of, of what we do and how we act Showing kindness in spite of the situation that you're in, regardless of what happens, you demonstrate it by by Christ. You demonstrate Christ by showing your kindness. There's a way to a way to respond and a way to act. If Christ is not reflected in anything that we go through, when we have to deal with situations or circumstances that are difficult. If he's not being reflected in our life, there's something missing. You're not praying. You're not looking for the fruits to be evident in your life. It's not something that just poof, all of a sudden happens. I will tell you this: there over a period of time, when you come to the Lord, there's a lot of things that happen in in sanctification. The Lord begins to deal with you and and talk to you and and change your heart and and slowly process. But there's another time. There's another time in our life we have to get serious and ask specifics. Lord, you need to change me. You know, like, like David did in 139 Psalms. Lord, search my heart and, and know me. See if there be a wicked, way in me, a wicked way in me. There's something to evaluate here. What do I need to be do, doing different? And I'll ask each of you. Is there anything in our life that is, that is keeping us, holding us back from being what we should be? Are we allowing little things into our life to become controlling? They have no business in our life. you go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I'll try to read this real quick and then I'll just kind of talk about this. And then they came to the town of Jericho and as Jesus is leaving with his followers, a great many people and a great many people, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. I know I've read this recently. I know, I don't want y'all to think, oh, he's just preaching this. Well, just stay with me. Sitting by the road, when he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was walking by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many people warned the blind man to be quiet, but he shouted the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, tell the man to come here. So they called the blind man and saying, cheer up, get to your feet, he's calling you. I don't know about you, but could you imagine the elation that he felt? Oh, it was was unbelievable. And so the blind man jumped up, left his coat there, and went to Jesus. And Jesus asked him, what do you need me to do for you? And the blind man said, teacher, I want to see. And Jesus said, go, you are healed because you believed. At once the man could see, and he followed Jesus on the road. This would be the last time. Listen, this would be the last time that Jesus would walk down the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. Because, you see, Jesus... Jesus Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, to Jerusalem. And you think, well, what's what's the big deal? Man, he had a thousand things on his mind. He was preoccupied with his disciples and them leaving him, and and he knew what was going to happen, all the stuff he was going through emotionally. And yet he stopped and he took time to pay attention to a beggar. His last trip on that road, you can go ahead and read chapter 11. You don't have to do it now, but read chapter 11. And that was when he was on the way to Jerusalem and and the palm branches and all that stuff. But he had to face eventual rejection, betrayal, abandonment, accusations, humiliation, isolation. This is where our true colors are seen. He stopped on the side of the road to listen to a desperate man a desperate blind man who could do nothing in return for him except hinder his progress. He gave him attention. He could not give anything in return. He showed him kindness. It took time. He was not too busy. He was not too important. Not overly caught up in his own agenda. This was a trait or a fruit of Christ. This is one of his characteristics. It wasn't, it wasn't abnormal for him to stop for somebody and nobody else would. It was very much his, his characteristics about him stopping to pay attention to a blind man that everybody else considered of no good and no use. We want power to overcome, we want power, we want to see God move in his power. We want to see God heal. We want him to meet all of our needs, and those are all fine. But when do we ever have time to sit and quit looking in the mirror or quit doing something else, to take on the attributes of Christ himself? Kindness, a gentle word, a soft word. It isn't always something we say with with correction, but it's amazing how many times we say things out of kindness, And it touches people's hearts. I'm going to read this to you. Don't come back now. Don't come back. I know I'm long-winded today. You're going to have to deal with that. I'm going to read something to you about kindness. The spirit of North Platte Canteen. In 1941, 10 days after the attack on Pearl Harbor, a train was scheduled to go through the heart of Nebraska. And word spread that the train was stopping in North Platte, and it carried the 134th Nebraska National Guard unit upon hearing the news. Let me make this a little bigger. A group of more than 300 people baked cookies and cakes to bring the soldiers as they made their brief 10-minute stop. But the train arrived, and the crowds cheered. But as they looked through the train's windows to find their hometown service boys, they were nowhere to be found. And many began to realize that their sons, their brothers that they longed to see were not on board. One young woman at a drugstore clerk named Ray Wilson turned her, turned to her co-worker and said, I'm not taking my I'm not taking my cookies home with me. And she walked over to the train and handed her baked goods to one of the servicemen on to one of the servicemen on board. And immediately the crowd followed. Hundreds of people gave the soldiers food and gifts, and they were originally meant for their own sons and wished them off. Ray Wilson's act was a, a rare act of kindness. It, it ignited one of the greatest initiatives of hospitality, and yet another reason why I'm proud to serve the people of Nebraska. Their efforts didn't end that day. Ray organized more women to serve the soldiers that week. Later that week, They decided they would continue to meet the train every day when the soldiers and the sailors would stop at North Platte. Was this this once, what was once only a few women with desserts grew into a large waiting room at the train station filled with sandwiches, coffee, cakes. The North Platte Canteen was born. And over the next four and a half years, women met every single train that came in and in. And my mother Florence taught kindergarten in North Platte for several months during the war, and proudly served among them. Many mom still found mom still fondly remembers those days and loves to tell us about her time serving at the canteen. As World War II raged on, the trains rolled through North Platte and totaled up to thirty-two per day. Yet the donations as support surrounded the communities poured in. It is estimated that the canteen received more than forty thousand cookies, thirty thousand hard-boiled eggs. 6,900 birthday cakes, 2,800 pounds of meat for sandwiches, and more than 6, 6 million soldiers came through North Platte train station during World War II and reached, and it was one of the embraced, but the can't, it doesn't matter. This was just a random thing that happened. Let me tell you, for five, six weeks, we had something happen here that doesn't happen everywhere. Listen. And we had great services up until the time it happened. Don't think that just going and getting dipped in the baptismal tank is going to fix everything. It was an awakening for you. It was an awakening for you to understand the importance of it. There was something that compelled you to go it still compels you when you get out of the water. It wasn't just a one-time event. It should compel you every day since then, and it will continue to compel you to live a certain way and for Christ to do certain things in your life regardless. Kindness produces, produces loyalty. like you go to Second Samuel, if you will. 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Um, you think, how does kindness produce loyalty? How in the world? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, but it happened. And I'll, I'll make this quick um, it's about King David. And I've read this too recently, within the last few months. And David asked, verse one, "Is anyone still left in Saul's family? I would just show kindness to that person for Jonathan's sake." That word kindness there is called um, hesed. Hesed. It's a the Hebrew of, of it. and you look it up, H-E-S-E-D. It's it means a loving kindness. It means he remembered back because he made a covenant with Jonathan when he comes into the kingdom. He would never ever destroy everything in, in Jonathan's family, and he remembered that. and He was thinking about: Is, is there anybody left? And so he said: Is there still anybody in Saul's family? I want to show kindness to that person for Jonathan's sake. Now, there was a servant named Zeba, Zeba, Zeba from uh, Saul's family. So David's servants called Zeba to him, and King David said to his. Said to him, "Are you Ziba?" And he answered, "Yes, I am." And he answered, and he asked he, the king, asked, is anyone left in Saul's family? I want to show that person kindness." Now, most people would say, "Okay, sure, you want to show them kindness? Sure," because it was a, a known thing that if you became a king, everybody in, in the previous king's family was done away with. So David went and he got him and got Mephibosheth, and I'm going to stop for just a second. I'm going to move right along. Um, you know, Mephibosheth received kindness from, from a man, and he was in a position, he had everything he ever wanted, anything he desired, David had it. But he received something from someone that normally would never do this kind of thing except for his nature taught him to be kind. You think, well, if David was so kind, why happened to Goliath? He wasn't kind to him. He was a man of war, we know that. But the integrity and the part of, of David that was really there, it was about him. He was really a a person who was really kind. I'm gonna close. If y'all can come back up now. I know a few minutes late. David had a spirit of kindness on him. And it and it was on him through his whole life. And when he was out singing a slingshot out in the fields and taking care of sheep, but then he went into Saul's presence and began to play the harp, and he was singing melodies to him. He was always in a state of kindness. But when he had to, he became something else, as we know the story of David. And I'm going to close with one more place in Scripture. And no, they don't have it, it's not on the board or anything, but it's in John chapter 8. I thought about, there's something about Christ and his representing kindness. I want you to think in your own life, who's been kind to you? Who's been kind to you? I probably get a lot of different answers. Some of you say, my mom was always so kind. My mom is kind a lot. She can be abrupt a lot, and she can tell you what she thinks a lot. She watched this today, and she will say something to me about this. But she is kind. I watched her do a lot of things very unselfishly. But in John chapter 8, verse 3 through 11, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And they forced her to stand before the people. And they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught having sexual relations with a man who was not her husband. The law of Moses commands us that we stone her to death. Every woman who does this, what do, what do you say we should do? They were asking them to trick him so they could have some type of charge against Jesus. But Jesus bent over and continued to start, and over and started riding on the ground with his finger. And when they continued to ask Jesus a question, he raised up and, and said, Anyone here who has never sinned can throw the first stone at her. Then Jesus bent over and wrote on the ground. Those who heard Jesus began to leave one by one, the first and the old, first, from the, first the older men and then the others. And Jesus was left there alone with a woman standing before him. And Jesus raised up again and asked her, Woman, where are, the, where are they? Has no one accused you, no one judged you guilty? And she answered, no, no one, sir. And Jesus said, I also don't judge you guilty. You may go now, but don't sin anymore. It's amazing the different attitude that he had. Now, now be honest with you, a lot of us would have had the attitude of Christ. But a lot of us also would have the attitude of the scribes and Pharisees. Christ he did not condemn her. He was thrown in the middle of an emotional situation. The scribes and the Pharisees, they wanted him to react, but Jesus never reacted too quickly. And I've talked about this before, too. But he began to write, and I don't know if he was drawing a dog or he was saying names. I don't know what he was doing. It doesn't matter to me. But he took time to pause and waited before he gave him judgment. You know, each of us here today are just like the woman taken in adultery. We may have not committed adultery, but we were an outcast. We were damned and we were condemned to hell without Jesus becoming our savior of our life. And it's confessing him before everybody else. But most of all, confessing him before him. In the scripture, we find one of the greatest examples of the kindness of Jesus. She was humiliated she was embarrassed. And Jesus didn't embarrass her further. He didn't. He waited and he responded in kindness to the accusers. And then neither do I condemn you. It is kindness that compels us to come. This Christ that we serve If you've not ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you, in just a moment, we'll give you time to do this. But it's amazing how God really looks at us. He looks at us with kindness. Often we think of him as as being large and in charge and he's going to beat us over the head. You know, me, when I was down in Florida, maybe just a reaction. I threw my hands up at her and I didn't want, whatever. But when the guy was sitting there with the pink shorts on and, and he was probably didn't have the same sexual identity that I have and, and I began to have I'll be honest with you began to be a little bit frustrated with his loudness and I was shown how important he was to the Lord the same way I was important to the Lord you're important to God he loves you loves you mentally regardless of what your problem is regardless of what you hung up on regardless of the things that plague your mind man can judge it man will but God won't you're here today maybe you need to make things right between you and God this one is Willing willing to reach down his hand. Meet you right where you are, just like you are. Doesn't matter how many things you've done wrong in the past or even this morning. But you need to get in right relationship with God. Confessing him.